Okay? How many are ready for God's word today? You're ready for it? All right. Beginning a new series today called Perspectives. Perspectives. And because this is the first message in this series, I'm going to give you two introductions today. That means you're going to have a short message. Turn to somebody and say, that's great news. Good news is you're going to have a shorter message. The bad news is you're going to have a longer introduction. So it's, it's going to balance out in the long run. Uh, oh, by the way, next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. How many are excited about Super Bowl? See, Pastor Corey's excited because the Raiders are playing. Oh, wait a minute. Raiders, again, but Raiders didn't make it again. I'm sorry, Pastor Corey. You know, you know Raiders fans, they're in the Super Bowl every year. You know how that is. But... That's okay. Anyway, back to perspectives. He needs to change his perspective on the Super Bowl. A perspective is how I see something. And my perspective can be right, it can be wrong, but my perspective is how I see something. And different people have different perspectives about different things. Tell you a little story. This past week, one morning, I got up, went in my car, and in my driveway, when, the way we park, we don't get the morning sun for the first couple of hours, three hours. Finally, the sun comes up. But you know, we've had some cold weather this winter. It's been kind of cool. And so I went out that morning. I got in my car, started it up. And I, you know, I never sit and wait. I get the car started, make sure everything's proper, get my seatbelt on, back out and head out down the road. I started down the road, and I noticed there's some ice on my windshield. Not a lot, but some ice. It wasn't really bothering me much. But I thought, ah, oh, this is dumb. I'll get this ice off. So I turned the wipers on and turned the washers on. And all of a sudden, my windshield was all ice. It was that cold at my house. And my car was that cold. And I couldn't see. And honest to goodness, I'm leaning way down behind the steering wheel looking out of one little spot in the window. The rest of the window is all ice. I'm looking in my mirror. I'm slowing down. Cars are passing me. I'm afraid I'm going to hit the curb over here. I can't see where I'm going. And I know there's a place up here with the driveway where I can turn out and go in and get the ice off the window. But I have to go another quarter mile. And so I'm trying to drive frantically. I get slower and slower and people are flying by me. Finally, I know the driveway's close, so I whip in the driveway, and my perspective on the driveway's bad, and I hit the curb. I did get in the driveway eventually, didn't have a wreck, but I learned a lesson. When you've got ice all over your windshield, you can't see clearly. Some of us, some of us go through life, and there's some things we just never see clearly. And you see, the thing about perspective is perspective affects where you're going and how you're thinking. Now, let me give this to you. Jesus gave us a lot of keys about godly living. And out of his keys, the things he taught us, we get a perspective on the issues of life. And I want to look today at Matthew 6. We're going to begin here. And we're going to look at three passages of scripture, but I'm going to move really quickly. Remember, this is the first introduction in the series, okay? This is about perspective. Matthew 6, verse 22. Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye. The eye is what brings light into the body. It's vision. It's how we see the world. If therefore your eye is good, which means clear and able to focus properly, your whole body will be full of light. And everybody knows in the natural, if your eyes are working good, you see where you're going. 
How many of you know there's a difference between seeing things in the light and seeing things in the dark? Okay. It says in verse 23, but if your eye is bad, if it's dirty, if it's unfocused, if it's shaded, you can't see correctly, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, light cannot enter when my eye is not clear. If therefore the light that is in you in darkness, how great is that darkness? What he's saying is, if my perspective on life is wrong, it doesn't let the light in, it lets darkness in. And then I begin to navigate life with the wrong perspective, with wrong thinking, because I'm seeing things incorrectly. You see, my perspectives, how I see things, are going to govern and shape my life. So this week, I almost had a bad morning because my perspective with that windshield was really, really bad. What I learned is, if my perspectives on life issues are correct, I'll live a long, blessed, healthy life. But if my perspectives are wrong, I may very well make some poor decisions and have to suffer the consequences. You know, David said in the Old Testament, Psalms 119, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word brings light and perspective to our lives. Jesus said God's word is a secure foundation upon which we can build our lives. Paul said we need to learn to think according to God's word. And what he literally said in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, he said, when we come to Christ, our minds, our thinking needs to be renovated. Not just adjusted, renovated. Stuff needs to be ripped out and new things put in, just like you would in renovating a home, so you can think correctly. Because as we think, our lives are going to follow. If my perspectives align with God's perspectives, I can see things as God sees them. Then I'll make wise, godly decisions. So that's, that's my first introduction. Now here's my second brief introduction. Today's topic, today's perspective is this. God's spirit will always be working in my life. Turn to somebody and say, get used to it. Get used to it. That's his job. That's his purpose. That's why he lives in us. Because he's always working in us. And, and the cool thing about this is if God's working in us, that means he's working on us. Give us a different perspective and to change the flow of our lives. So let me ask you a question today. What is, and you want to ask yourself this, what is my perspective on the work of God's spirit in my life? Do you ever think about that? What is God's spirit trying to do in my life? Because my perspective, pardon me, somebody untied my shoe. It's probably Zach while I was sitting down there. All right. Do you ever think about what is God's spirit trying to do in my life? We need to be aware of that. We need to have a perspective on life that says God's spirit is always going to be working in me. So, God, what are you trying to do today? What is your spirit doing in my life in this season? So, look at Titus chapter 2, 
We're going to read a couple of verses there, and this is really the introduction that will set up this message today. Titus 2, Paul is writing to this young pastor, Titus, who's pastoring a church that is full of dishonest, lying people. He's trying to preach the gospel and get their lives to change. He's he's on this island of Crete, and man, he's got all kinds of challenges. So Paul is giving him encouragement and instruction on how to deal with all this. Here's what Paul says in Titus 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Verse 12, teaching us. Everybody say teaching us. Did you know God's grace doesn't just come to save you, it comes to teach you? See, we we use grace in the church today as a catch-all. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's God's grace. God's grace will cover that. God's grace will cover that. I don't need to worry about that. God's grace. God's grace. Grace, 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 grace. And we, to some extent, we've forgotten about truth, God's truth. Here's what he says. Teaching us. What's grace teaching us? That denying ungodliness, denying worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, Let me summarize these verses. The grace of God brings us to salvation. It brings us into relationship with God. And then it begins to teach us about this new life that we have in Christ. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 3. When he's having this encounter with Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, you have to be born of the Spirit of God. You need to be born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God needs to come and live in you and begin to change you from the inside out. So what is God's spirit trying to do in us? He's trying to free us from the bondage of our fallen nature and teach us how to live motivated by his divine nature. He's trying to change the way we think, the way we live, and our source for our reactions in life. You know, several years ago, I was talking to a lady one day, a Christian lady, and in, in conversation, she was real edgy and angry that day. And, and after a while, and, and I knew her a little bit, and after a while, I said, boy, you're a little bit agitated today. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? I am what I am. If you don't like me the way I am, that's your problem. I said, okay. You know, Popeye was kind of like that. I am what I am. Okay, so that, that kind of ended the conversation. But then on the other hand, I had a dear friend, an old preacher who passed away several years ago. And years ago when he was helping mentor me, he, he made a statement to me one day. He said, the older I get, the more finicky God gets. He used to be working on big things. Now I've got big things under control. Now he's sanding and buffing and polishing. He never stops working on me. Can I tell you something? That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That God's spirit is working in our lives. And anytime I teach on the Holy Spirit, I always say this. There's three things we teach about the Holy Spirit. He's come to work for us. He's come to work in us. And he's come to work through us. And today we're focusing on the fact that the Holy Spirit has come to work in us. So what's my perspective on that? What has he come to do? Well, one last thing here. Relationship with God is a learning and growing process. I never stop learning. Therefore, 
I can't ever stop growing. Because that's, the, that's why God sent the Spirit to live in you. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you've experienced a new birth, the Spirit of God lives in you, and He's there to work in you. So we need to get used to it, and we need to embrace what He's trying to do. Now, Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to read just a couple of verses here. I could read a lot, but I'm going to just kind of skip through some of it just for time's sake. But here's... Here's the part of this message I want to get into. I must learn how to live letting the Holy Spirit influence my life. See, God gives us this brand new life, but got to be honest with you, here's the instruction manual. And boy, there's a lot here, and some of us don't know where to start, and as a result, we get lost in stuff that probably isn't pertinent at the moment. And if we don't read the manual and find out what God's going to do or wanting to do, we get lost on this journey, on this process. So I have to learn how to be influenced by the Spirit of God. And here's what Paul wrote. In Galatians 5, verse 16, he said, I say then, walk. Everybody look right here. Not just think in the Spirit. Not just think according to what the Spirit says and what the Word of God says. Learn to live. Walk. Walk in the Spirit. Walk being motivated by the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So he draws this parallel. He says, there's what the flesh wants and there's what the Spirit wants. It's two different things. So I have lived this way my whole life. I've come to Christ. Now I have to learn how to be motivated by the Spirit of God because the two lives are different. There's the old life. There's the new life. Verse 17, he says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So what he's saying is, the way I want to live, the way I've always lived, all of a sudden the Spirit of God says, no, 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 we're not living that way anymore. But my flesh says, yes, 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 I want to live this way. So the two are at war, they're fighting. Now, I don't know if we still see this today because I don't have, I don't access, I guess I have access, but remember for some of us when we were kids, they'd have cartoons and, this, and the cartoon character had to make a decision about what was right or what was wrong. And they had a little angel that looked like them sitting on this shoulder saying, do what's right, do what's right. And then they had a little devil that looks like them on this shoulder saying, do what's wrong, do what's wrong. We used to see those caricatures. And that's kind of what happens in life. We have this new nature that wants to please God and walk with God. And then I had this old devilish nature that wants what it wants. And these two things are fighting against each other. And then Paul goes on to say here in verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, if you are walking following the Spirit, you won't be under the law, which means you won't be breaking the commandments of God because the Spirit will lead you into right things, not wrong things. And then he begins to talk about what the flesh wants to do. I'm not going to read it all today because there's several verses and... I don't want to get bogged down here, but I am going to refer to it in just a moment. But if you skip down to verse 22, here's what Paul says. Here's what the Spirit wants to produce in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The original word there is actually faith, pistis. It's the same as where faith is used everywhere else. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. What he says is if you walk in what the Spirit brings into your life, you won't be violating the law of God. Very simple. And then verse 24, he says, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How many of you have a picture of crucifixion in your mind? Are you hearing me? Paul says, if we're really following Christ, here's what I did. I nailed that old guy to the cross. Well, this is good. I need to stay here a minute. You are too quiet on this. Paul said, if you're really following Jesus, you know you've got to nail that old thing to the cross so you can walk into the new thing. Got to be willing to do some things. Well, I know we don't preach that today. We do, we do today in this church. Okay? I've, I, have, I have crucified. I have crucified. I have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Then in verse 25, and here's what I love. If we live in the Spirit... Let us walk in the Spirit. My paraphrase to this is, if I say I'm going to dry my, draw my life from the Spirit of God, then I need to learn to walk in the leading of the Spirit. Follow where the Spirit is leading me. Now, let me, let me sum this section up with three thoughts and then follow-up thoughts with it. Number one, my fallen nature wants to rebel against God. It just, it just does. That's my fallen nature. That's my sinful nature. Don't look at me like that. You've got one too. My fallen nature wants to rebel against God. And the words he uses in there that we didn't read are words like adultery, fornication. See, that's not just rebelling against your spouse. That's rebelling against God. Uncleanness, lewdness, those words really mean to have no boundaries towards sexuality and how we do sex life. That's what it literally means. He mentions idolatry, having other idols in our lives. Sorcery, reaching out to demons to get guidance for your life. See, my fallen nature wants to rebel against God. But the interesting thing is the Spirit of God wants to bring me into relationship with God and place me under his influence. Do you understand that? My flesh wants one thing, but the Spirit of God's trying to do something different. He's trying to bring God's character and nature and influence into my life. So here's what he brings me. He brings me love, which shows me that I matter to him. He values me. He brings us joy, a cheerfulness, which gives us a different perspective on the challenges of life. He brings us peace, which is a well-being and a sense of security that knows we're safe with God. And then he brings us faith, which is the learning, growing, believing, and applying of God's word to our lives. So the Spirit of God brings me into this relationship with God and begins to show me a new way of living because the presence of God is now in my life. He wants to stop me from rebelling against God and get me to walk and cooperate with God. Then the second thing in these verses, 
My fallen nature wants to live a corrupt, ungodly, undisciplined lifestyle. Come on, everybody smile at me. Somebody say, well, we're going to get to the good part here in just a moment, so stay with me, okay? My fallen nature wants to live a corrupt, ungodly, undisciplined lifestyle. He uses expressions like outbursts of wrath and anger, selfish ambitions, drunkenness, revelries, which means just carousing around, getting into all kinds of stuff. And he says, so on and so forth. How many remember those days? But we don't live that way anymore. Why? Because there's a different spirit living in us. We're led by the spirit of God. You see, my my fallen nature wants to live this corrupt, ungodly, undisciplined lifestyle, but the spirit of God wants to change my nature. You see, God doesn't say, well, go change and I'll love you. God says, come to me, I'll put my spirit in you, and we'll start changing you one day at a time from the inside out as my spirit works in you. And I need to live with that perspective. You see, I make mistakes. I know most of you don't, but I do every now and then. I make mistakes. But when I make mistakes, I don't stick in the mud and stay there. I ask God for forgiveness. I ask him for help and strength. I ask him to teach me how to avoid that. And then I move forward because he loves me. God wants us to live knowing his spirit is always working in us. And I want to throw one more thing in here. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, we're just never going to be perfect. I know that, but I'm going to try and be anyway. Boy, it's way too quiet in here. I'm going to try and be. I'm going to try and live right. I'm going to try and be what God saved me to be. I'm going to try and learn what he's trying to teach me. I'm trying. Trying to learn those things. So I need to strive to let the Spirit of God change me from the inside out. And he, he, he uses... Two fruit of the spirit, he talks about meekness, which is really humility. Humility combats my pride and my arrogance. Spirit of God brings humility into our lives. He brings temperance or self-control. He shows us how to walk in the ways of God rather than walking in the ways of the flesh. He brings that self-control into our lives. And then the third thing, This is going to come as a shock to some of you. Number three, my fallen nature really doesn't care much for people. See, that's why God puts people in your life, so you can learn his nature. Because some people can be difficult. And whatever your personality is, there are other personalities that are going to be difficult for you. When you all watch the the replay of this message this week, you'll realize, yeah, he was right, he's right. I know it's a little early for some of you and you haven't had your second cup of coffee. But my fallen nature really sometimes just doesn't like people at all. And he uses words like jealousies and envy. Isn't it funny? Jealousies and envies, we keep that hidden, but boy, it produces a lot of actions and a lot of words. He talks about dissensions. I'm not going to be in unity with you. I'm not going to listen to you. I don't need you. He talks about even murder. Oh, I wouldn't kill somebody. No, but we would certainly try and destroy and kill their reputation if we could. 
See, Paul said, man, all of us have got this thing in us, a potential to not like some people. My fallen nature doesn't like some people, but the Spirit of God wants to help me learn to love people as God loves them. This is so good. This is so good. I know it's simple, it's basic, but it's... And so he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my spirit in you. He'll bring you patience. Anybody need patience today? Patience, kindness. We, a few years ago, we had a staff meeting one day, and Mary Carter was still on staff with us. And she and Ron were celebrating, I don't know, a lot of years of marriage, many, many years. And we asked Mary, what's the key to a successful marriage? And she sat there a minute and thought about it, and she said, first thing is, just be nice to each other. Be kind. That's what the Spirit of God brings. It brings kindness into our lives. And then another word, goodness, which means I'll do good things for you. If I see you in need, I'll help meet your need. I will be virtuous, and I'll be giving to you. The Spirit of God wants me to see the hurts in people and not just their actions. And if I could just go one little step further before I get to the last part of my message. In James chapter 3, James wrote about our words. And more specifically, he talked about the tongue. And James had a great perspective. Some people read the book of James and they say, I don't want to read this. James is so strong, so in your face. You know why that was? It's because he was a pastor. He had to live with those people. He wasn't an evangelist. He didn't get to come down and preach and then leave town. He had to stay there and live with them. So when he saw stuff that was bad that he was suffering from, he called them out. How many of you are glad I don't do that? Aren't you glad I don't ever do that? So I'm going to tell you what James said. James said, in your own flesh, you cannot tame your tongue. He even said that the tongue is unruly, it's evil, and it's full of deadly poison. And James said, you know, Sometimes I'm so amazed because with the tongue, we bless God, but then we curse people around us who are made in the likeness and image of God. He also said, out of that same mouth, you get blessing and you get cursing. He said, this ought not to be. So the Spirit of God comes from the inside out to change my motivation, change how I see things. Help me see as God sees. Help me value people the way God has valued me and the way God values them. So I treat them differently. What's your perspective on what the Spirit of God has come to do in your life? How do you, how do you daily open your heart to the work of God's Spirit? Last part of my message. I have, I have responsibility. I have some responsibility in this relationship with God and his spirit. I know people that go through life, well, you know, it's all on God. It's all on his grace. He's going to do what he does. What he does, he does. What he doesn't do, I guess he doesn't care about. So I don't have any responsibility here. I just believe in him. And because I believe in God, everything's cool and da-da. It's not true. There's some truth there, but it's not all truth. We started today in Titus chapter 2. I'm going to give you three things in closing today that we really need to think about to put 
the work of the Spirit in our lives in right perspective. Number one, I must be willing to learn what grace is trying to teach me. Paul told Titus, the grace of God comes to save you. Hallelujah, I'll take that. The grace of God also comes to teach you some things about your lifestyle. Oh, I don't think I want to hear that. I'll just go back to step one and stay in grace. Grace comes to teach us too. Let me tell you a story. When I was in 10th grade or 11th grade, I'm not sure which it was, I took chemistry class for one semester in high school. I walked into class the first week the teacher gave us this big, thick chemistry book. He said, open your book to page three, whatever it was. Opened up, and there's this huge chart of elements, a hundred and some elements. I don't know how many there are now, if they've discovered more, but a hundred and some elements. The teacher said, I want you to memorize this chart by the end of the week. You know what I said? I ain't learning that chart. I'm not going to waste my mental power on something like that. I got football and basketball and baseball and golf. I got things to concentrate on. I don't have any time for this. And I'll tell you what. I did not learn that chart. I wish my teacher was here today so I could tell him I didn't learn it. You told me I had. I, I refused to learn that chart. I did learn three or four of them that were common, but... For the most part, no, I didn't learn them. But you know what else? I took one semester of chemistry because I almost flunked the class. Because I refused to learn basic things. Now, please, 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 please. I'm a pastor. I'm not as mean as James, but I am a pastor. Some of us aren't doing so well in class because we refuse to learn what the grace of God's trying to teach us. This is good. Elbow your spouse and say, you need to listen to this. (laughs) Elbow Pastor Corey and tell him, Pastor Corey, you need to listen to this. See, I must be willing to learn what grace is trying to teach me. Number two, I must act on what I learned from God. See, some of us get all this knowledge. This knowledge does you no good unless it goes from your brain down to your fingers and your toes and it begins to shape the way you live. So I must learn to act on what grace is trying to teach me, what I'm learning from God. Now, I'm going to break this part into a couple of quick things that are so simple. I won't take time to read it, but in some of his different epistles, Paul addressed the flesh and the spirit struggle. He addressed the old lifestyle in the new lifestyle. And in different letters to different churches, he did it in different ways and different verbiage. But to the Ephesian church, he was talking to them about people lying and not being honest, people being mean and hateful and harsh. He addressed the same things he addressed about the the acts of of the flesh. But in Ephesians 4, Paul said something that was so interesting. And he said, some of us need to have a change of perspective. And here's what he said. He said, we need to live what we've learned about Christ. We need to live what we've learned about Christ. How many of you think of the story of Jesus and you think, well, I'm not quite there yet. Paul said, we need to learn to live the way that we've learned Christ. So here's what he says. 
So simple. You need to put off the old man. Start thinking according to God's word. And put on this new man. You know what the spirit of God's trying to do in me? He's trying to get me fully dressed with the attitude and the spirit of Christ. And some mornings he says, Gary, get your socks on. You've got your pants on. You've got your shirt on. Get your socks on. I don't want to put the socks on today. I want to be angry. Gary, get your socks on. I don't want to do that today. Gary, you can't go out. You can't do that. Get your socks on. You see, the struggle goes on. Some days I don't want to do what the Spirit of God wants me to do and needs me to do to produce Jesus in me. Oh, it's so good. So simple and so good. He said, put off the old man. I am, listen, I'm going to learn what grace is teaching and then I'm going to act on it. I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to start letting the spirit of God lead me into the right things. I'm going to start acting the way Jesus would act. Put off. Learn to think differently and then put on the new man. And then toward the end, and really Ephesians 4, the second half of that chapter, there's so much stuff in there. I don't have time to get into all of it. But he says one more thing, and this is so important today. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The word grieve there literally means to distress. Don't distress the Spirit of God. To sadden, don't sadden the Spirit of God. It means to bring sorrow. Don't cause pain and sorrow for God's Spirit. Have you ever stopped to think that sometimes the things that we may do actually hurt the Spirit of God? Do you ever think He has feelings? Wait, I, wait a minute, I've, I've come to teach you a different, no, no, no. No. What happens when you grieve somebody? One of two things. They get in your face and yell and scream at you. Or they just go and sit down and get quiet. You know what happens when we resist the Holy Spirit and we grieve him? He just gets quiet. That's why when I don't hear from God for a long time, I say, God, why am I not hearing from you? And he says... Because you haven't done the last thing I told you to do. Why should I waste words on you? You're not listening. You're not following my instructions. See, that's what the Holy Spirit that lives in us has come to do. Lead us into the ways and the nature and the character of Jesus. So the last thing, I must not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, in closing today... I'm going to pray a prayer. Actually, I'll pray two prayers. But here's what I've learned about the Spirit of God. If, if you say, God, what are you trying to teach me today? Bam, he answers that prayer like right now. It's like, uh, remember this? Remember the way you responded to that? Remember what you did when the temptation was there? Remember what you said to so-and-so? See, if I say, God, what are you trying to teach me? What is your spirit trying to teach me? God will answer that prayer right now, and he'll say, here, here's what you need to know. You might even be here today and say, man, it's been a long time. 
I've just been living out of control. No boundaries. It's been a long time since I've heard from the Spirit of God. It's because you've grieved Him and He just sat down and got quiet. You say, why would you preach a message like this? Because I don't want you to get stuck. I want you to keep growing in the grace of God. So I want to pray today, and I'm going to ask you to pray with me and say, God, what do I need to see and know today? So bow your heads if you would. Pray that prayer and let me pray for you. Father, we need a new perspective on life. We need to understand your spirit is always going to be working in our lives. I ask you today, give us a heart to let your spirit and your grace teach us. God, show us how to act on what we're learning. And teach us not to grieve your spirit. Help us to welcome your spirit. God, I pray right now for all the people in this room, several hundred people that as we're praying right now, the spirit of God that that spirit that lives in them would just touch the thing or the things in their life that need to need to be adjusted, need to be touched and changed. God, touch it in love because you've come to make us like Jesus, the firstborn of many brethren, many sons and daughters. God, I open my heart. Let your spirit teach me your ways that I might walk in the spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Show me, Father, and I, I will learn I will act, and I will not grieve your spirit. While heads are still bowed, maybe you're here today. Maybe you look at your life and you think, you know, I, I wish my life would change. I wish it could change, but I I've got a long track record, and I'm kind of stuck in this rut. Let me tell you something. God put his own son on the cross to pay for our past and to get us out of that rut and give us a brand new life in Christ. But it all begins with us opening our hearts and saying, God, I need you and I want you. I welcome you in my life. Come and begin to move in me. I want to be your child. I want to pray a prayer today. I'm going to ask you to wrap your faith around these words. Open your heart. Let God begin to work in you. Join me in this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name today, I pray for everybody who might be in this building, those who might be watching online who are not in relationship with you, who've never surrendered their lives and asked you to be Lord and Savior of their lives. God, I pray today that we would have the understanding as the Spirit of God knocks on our hearts, as it taps on the door of our heart, we would open the door and say, come in. I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I need a Lord in my life. I need you to teach me your ways so I accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. From this moment forward, I start this journey I give you permission to let your spirit live in me and work in me and change me from the inside out. I ask for your help. From this day forward, I want to follow you and be your child. Thank you for receiving me and calling me today. In Jesus' name, I ask this. Amen. Amen. Now, as we always do every Sunday, and I, I never get tired of doing this because it's, it's as important as anything we do on Sunday mornings. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're watching online or in the building, it's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. We want to help you begin your journey with God. So when service is over, we'd love to give you a little tool, a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's really simple reading. It just gives you a simple thought for each day to get you started walking with God. We want to put that in your hands or get it to you electronically. 
So when service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. Just walk up to one of these prayer teams. They're just everyday people like you and me. They're here to help you. Say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, if you want prayer for something else, they'll pray with you. If you have a need you want prayer for, they're there to help you with that as well. But we want to help you get started walking with God. If you're in a really big rush out in the lobby, in the middle of the, of the glass doors as you exit, there's a counter set up there. You can get the booklet there. There'll be a screen overhead that shows you the next seven days. Stop by there. We'd love to put this in your hand and get you started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you and welcome. The last closing thought of the message, if you're a new believer and you just prayed that prayer today especially, there's nobody in this room who's perfect. We're all in process, but we are learning and we're growing in the nature of God. So welcome to the family. We'd love to help you get started on this journey. God bless you today. Last thing just before we go, and I haven't had a chance to do this in a few weeks, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Uh, our church is moving forward. We're supporting ministries all over the world. We're touching our community. It's because of your faithfulness in giving. And as we, as we shared a few weeks ago, God blesses us for our giving. So I want to say thank you so much for your giving today. It'll be a blessing to God's kingdom. There are several ways you can give. We usually put them on the screen. If you're a guest with us today, you'll see those. We don't put any pressure on guests. But if you love to give something to God, there are instructions on how you can give. And we just want to say thank you today. We're a healthy church. We're moving forward because of your faithfulness. God bless you. Have you enjoyed being in church today? Hey, I've enjoyed it. Let God change your perspective on the work of his spirit. Let him get big in you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Stand to your feet and have a great Sunday.